everyone, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where this politically engaged queer millennial and a few of his friends unpack topics at the top of our mind through the lens of anxiety, depression, and everything in between. Today, we are celebrating the fact that Donald John Trump is no longer the president of the United States. He will no longer be the president as of January 2021. He was defeated by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And if you're wondering how he's taking it, a week after the election, he just posted a video and said, we will win. And it sounds like this. The more people tell you it's not possible, that it can't be done, the more you should be absolutely determined to prove them wrong. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world. And it'll make a real and lasting difference. So what do you think, Erica? Is Donald Trump the outsider on the, the White House front lawn? <laughs> what do you think? How's, how's he going to take to being an outsider now? Donald Trump is going to take being an outsider. Like, you know how like girls tend to pick up men around November when it starts to get cold and then they dump them when it starts to get warm again and it's because they're basically homeless. Trump is going to be that dude who gets kicked out in January and he's like, fuck, I don't have anywhere to stay. Like, my other baby mamas don't fuck with me anymore. Like, this is literally going to be some like VH1 E Bravo type shit. <laughs> literally, I think that the day I watched that man get dragged by his nappy fucking hair across the White House lawn, I'm going to smile so hard. I was going to say, we we said it here, like that feeling of when we see that helicopter go right over the horizon. And we know we're always going to have to hear from him, but he will never be our president again. That's the type of outsider I'm so looking for. Kirk, what about you? Donald Trump, an outsider? I actually didn't know his middle name was John. So this is news to me when you said that. I always thought it was just a J for like emphasis and for the, for the moment, but um, <laughs> dramatics. But it's, it's so less exciting with Donald John. Like that's what the J stands for. Anyway. I think so. Yeah, I'm sure it does. But it, it just I always thought it was going to be something better than that. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but on that, that tone of his, that was like a new tone. I don't know. He felt like an inspirational, motivational speaker. Like I've never gotten that vibe from him before, but it was this like, maybe that's his next thing. He's going to now be a motivational speaker. Um, I mean, he has mentioned the whole, he always said he was an outsider, right? He wasn't in politics. That wasn't his thing. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I could go on for seven hours about how excited I am that he is no longer going to be someone we have to hear from, um, but we can choose to hear from will be more exciting. I know someone that we can literally mute. And you know what? It doesn't affect millions of people's lives. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Andrew, what about you? How are you feeling? It's been a week since your buddy lost the election. (laughs) I know, man, all of those votes I cast for him vote after vote. And it all came to naught. (laughs) I was writing in dead people's names. 
I was voting twice. I was going down to the local home and and conning all the old people into voting for him. <laughs> and I did all that work and nothing, nothing. They stole this election from me. So happy to have you on this podcast, Joseph Gale. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our 47th episode. We are so excited. Donald Trump is no longer the president. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be. We have a great episode for you today. We are going to unpack some headlines that you missed. But then after the headlines, we are going to get deep, deep, deep into Donald Trump's downfall. We're going to talk about what we were doing when we found the official results. Who did we celebrate with? What did it feel like? What was that jubilation? And then we'll talk about, make some speculations on how we think Donald Trump reacted in private. A lot of us have seen uh, what he's going to be doing or what he's been doing on Twitter. And I think that uh, his, his private reaction was probably pretty incredible as well. So great episode today. Super excited to have everyone back. We will be right back. And we are back with our headlines. So in this segment, we each pick one disturbing headline from this this week's news. Each guest or host can weigh in on that headline. This is kind of like our kind of call to action that everybody should be paying attention to other news. But I'm not going to be the person that does that this week. I'm not going to challenge people to look at other news um, because I'm still not over the Four Seasons landscaping. (laughs) (laughs) i know i know the internet has exhausted this this thing with jokes i know that this will now be two weeks by the time this episode is released from the election but to me there was nothing better than watching like a whiskey infused rudy giuliani find out that donald trump lost the election while standing outside in some fucking neighborhood of philadelphia i It just brought me so much joy and it was like the headline that got missed because all of us were focused on so many other things. But if you don't know, Donald Trump tweeted and said that they would be holding a press conference at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. Something happened in the middle. Donald Trump deleted the tweet and then reposted that they would be having the press conference at Four Seasons Landscaping in Philadelphia, which is right across from a crematorium and a sex shop. And something about that just feels so incredibly poetic from Donald Trump's sex scandals to Donald Trump's death scandals where he has mismanaged the coronavirus, just situated right in the middle there, having Rudy Giuliani claim fraud to me was like just the missed headline. It's the funniest headline. It's it, it, would, it will be the funniest headline because these people have been so disorganized as fuck, but they bring so many people along with them out of fear and out of hatred. And then when you look behind the curtain, just like it's the fucking Wizard of Oz, except this is nothing of the sort. I believe the Wizard of Oz was somewhat talented. You look beyond the the curtain and you just see like a blubbering mess. And it was so good to see while they were just spewing absolute nonsense about fake ballots. Um, I'm sure you guys saw that headline. I don't know that we need to unpack it any further than that. I want to unpack one part of it 
that I think I sent to you guys, but I think is worth rereading. It's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. So this was, you know, news across the world, but I think we probably dissected it more being in Philadelphia. Um, but there was this one, one line I want to read from the Inquirer. It says, what began five years ago at the made for TV announcement of Donald Trump's presidential ambitions from the escalator of his ritzy Manhattan high rise ended Saturday with his aging lawyer shouting conspiracy theories and vowing lawsuits in a Northeast Philadelphia parking lot near a sex shop and crematorium which I thought was just so beautifully put and like so accurately true. And it had me, I went back on YouTube and watched the moment in 2015 when he did announce he was running for president. And I completely forgot what that was like. And it's just funny to put it in comparison to how it quite literally ended like an episode of Veep. Um, it was, inc- I mean, it's incredible. It was like, you couldn't have written it better. It makes me think he did write this whole thing, but I don't know. Descended in the escalator and then just kept on descending. Well, I told somebody um, it, it felt like Tim and Eric and Veep somehow mashed together. And this was the, the horrible, absurdist baby that came out of it. But <laughs> to me, it, it really signifies the real Donald Trump because like his entire life, everything, it's all this veneer. It's the gold veneer he puts on all of his stuff on his name. He slaps his name on everything. But if you look just a little bit deeper, everything's just pure shit in his life and always has been. This is that encapsulation of that where it starts out in his hotel and it ends up in this random parking lot in the boonies of Philadelphia and that random parking lot and the crazed shouting Rudy Giuliani. That's like the real representation of the Trump administration. Without a doubt. All right, Andrew, what is your headline? The one I found is on law and crime, and they have a lot of stuff about the lawsuits that are going on with Donald Trump and voter fraud and poll watchers, etc. But the one that stood out to me is this headline that is lawyers litigating for Trump suddenly remember their licenses are on the line if they lie to a judge. So he has this he has this whole army of of lawyers. They're deployed all over the country and they're starting to argue these cases in front of judges. And the judges are deciding whether or not to go forward with these cases. And as we have seen, so many of the cases have been thrown out and dismissed. And it's it's because these lawyers, I think everybody's sort of realizing that the ship is going down. Nobody wants to hold water for the guy anymore. Nobody wants to put their own career on the line and either risk at best sanctions for participating in frivolous lawsuits um, or at, at worst getting disbarred. Um, yeah, I was going to say that's, that's, that's malpractice. Yeah. Because they're perjuring themselves and they're they're lying in front of the court. Um so this this whole article has has court transcripts and really breaks down the situation with this one particular case that's in uh, Pennsylvania right now in Montgomery County, where first off, they're litigating only 592 <laughs> disputed ballots. So first off, it's like, what what are they even hoping to accomplish here if they win this case, which they do not have any basis for and it is going to get dismissed. If they win this case, what are less than 600 ballots going to do now? It's just going to be a symbolic win, I guess. I don't know. So the judge says, are you claiming that there is any undue or improper influence upon the elector with respect to these 592 ballots? And keep in mind that their claims with the ballots 
it's all technical stuff. It's that the address was improperly filled out on the outer envelope or they were improperly signed. They're not claiming or they didn't initially claim with these lawsuits that these were fraudulent ballots necessarily. They were just saying there's problems with these ballots. They should not be counted. Um, but it all comes down to technicalities. And there's no mention of the content of those ballots. We don't know who those ballots were cast for. They could very well be throwing out Trump votes. So the court asks, are you alleging fraud? And the lawyer, Trump's lawyer, responds, to my knowledge at present, no. (laughs) And it just basically sums it up. All of the Trump sycophants are screaming about fraud. Trump is screaming about fraud. His two man-child sons are screaming about fraud. They're saying that it was stolen. There's this huge conspiracy. Somehow millions of people all got together and cast erroneous ballots for Joe Biden. When you look at the actual cases, they, they know they can't claim that in court. So they're going with the tiny wisp of smoke that they possibly have. And that's all it is. It's so pathetic. It's legitimately pathetic. But what really worries me about this is, you know, nobody's going to read past the headline. This is never going to come up on Fox News or OAN. And nobody on his side is actually going to dig into these court transcripts, you know, which nobody's disputing whether or not these are correct court transcripts. They are what they are. They're transcripts of what happened. Nobody's going to dig into that. So what they're believing is, is, you know, what Trump is tweeting right now or what Don Jr. is tweeting right now. And that's that's why we're still in this situation. You know, they're exploiting that. I think I think that's exactly what it is. It's just full exploitation. I, I, I'm curious to see how all of this kind of continues. I'm sure we'll definitely touch on this in, in other episodes, too, because um, they're going to keep screaming about it after the, you know, inauguration. They like like the sun will be setting on Joe Biden's first term and Donald Trump will be tweeting voter fraud and Twitter will be flagging it as there's no proof of this. Like, it's just (laughs) ridiculous. Um, Erica, what's your headline? So my headline is postal worker recanted allegations about tampering, officials say. And this actually happened in Erie, Pennsylvania. And basically, this guy was telling people, I know his name isn't Johns Hopkins, but his last name is certainly Hopkins. And he has a boring name. But um, basically, he was, he like went out saying that like the postmaster was basically saying, um, even if it was postmarked for this date, like, I want you to backdate it. So they're basically backdating ballots. Um, And he lied. (laughs) And I think that a lot of people, so I recently started following people on social media who, to me, seem to have just snapped from reality. Um, But their big thing is, like, they keep posting TikToks and Instagram stories and Facebook, whatever, of people basically saying, like, this is voter fraud, this is voter fraud. And as many of them come out, like, there's always, there's one, and I think that they, it was like in Florida, I want to say, and it showed them burning ballots. And even before that, like, blew up on 
the part of social media that Andrew frequents, aka conservative <laughs> social media. <laughs> the state wow. of Florida already was like, no, like this is what it is. Like these were sample ballots. So um, there's definitely a lot of false information floating around on like the super hard, like I can't even call them Republicans anymore. Um, the Trumpies are basically just like full speed. Like this is all a lie. And I'm pretty sure that come December, is it December 7th, December 9th? When the electoral college gathers. Oh, oh, I'm not positive when that is. It's like early December. Yeah. It's Um, usually a month after the election. Yeah. Yeah. The 5th. So come December 5th or whatever. I don't know. I don't know why I'm believing Kirk, but whatever. Um, I'm an electoral vote. (laughs) Bitch, we know you are not. (laughs) But when they sit down at the table, and then I think December 14th is when they vote, like, and Biden is officially our president, this is going to be the hill that they die on, which I think is fine. Um, I also think it's fine that Trump is completely distracted by this because, like, I assumed that he was going to throw fit and just, like, tweet our nuclear codes or something. <laughs> which is so good. <laughs> he's so good, which, yeah. But so long as he's fighting his quote-unquote good fight and, like, proving that he won the election, like, just... It's like when you have a toddler who's about to throw a tantrum, you just give them whatever toy holds them off until it's, like, snack time or whatever. So I think <laughs> when the fuck is snack time? <laughs> he's like, where the fuck is my diet coke in my plain lace potato chips? <laughs> That's an exclusive. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> but um yeah, I just think, you know, the the far right, the alt-right is really clinging on to this the next conspiracy theory. So I think some of them completely forgot about QAnon at this point. Um, and it's just, you know, <laughs> the rotating crazy news cycle <laughs> of the, of the Q brain. Oh my God. So Kirk, what's your headline for the week? I think the most important, this isn't my headline, but it, I have a few headlines. So we're going to get into them, but the, we don't have to dissect all of them. I have like a little performance. <laughs> um, I think the, the most important headline that everyone needs to know is from the New York times. That was the Times called officials in every state and there was no evidence of voter fraud. That's just a clear cut headline from the New York Times. So we can debunk anything else you're going to hear about about the voter fraud. Um, there was a few others I was playing with. The one that I, I laughed a bit about was Donald Trump's son urges people to vote dot 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 a week after the election. That was good. kind of amazing. He literally tweeted Eric Trump, um, the son that no one cares about, um, tweeted on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, so Tuesday a week from whenever you're listening to this, that to go vote. And obviously you can't do that any longer. Um, but the one I want to go with is more lighthearted and it is Steve Kornacki's striped election coverage tie was being held together by staples. This is from people.com. So it's hard hitting news, but I think we need something a little bit lighter. And, um, I don't know. I know we were all were sitting glued to our TVs all week watching this and Steve Kornacki became this like a star is born moment for him. Um, and apparently people were curious to see if he, um, had changed the whole time, which he didn't apparently. And he had, by the end of it, his tie with put, was being held together by staples. Was he moving? Was he moving that much? I, that's what I want. That's what I'm, we think we need to do a deeper dive into this. Cause I don't know why his, his tie was <laughs> held together with staples. <laughs> 
Steve Kernacki, Kernacki himself was being held together by staples. Like that man was unwell. <laughs> <laughs> It was, and, and you know what? Like, it was so annoying waiting for the media to call the fucking race. Oh, yeah. It was so frustrating when it was so clear. Like, I was like, they just want us to do this. But, like, that was also an absolute form of, like, employee abuse. <laughs> like, 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 those, like, Jake Tapper's saddlebag eye sockets oh my God. were like down to his fucking chiseled <laughs> chin by the end of what Saturday afternoon he couldn't even smile anymore like his eyes were too droopy <laughs> like, like they should have called it for you know whatever the Steve Wernacki's tie or just like everyone else's fucking sanity they they must have hated it more than we did right uh, yeah they have yeah to. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? Jake Tapper's annual salary, according to his contract, is four million dollars. So <laughs> yeah, he probably got yeah. bonus. He can, he can deal with a long weekend of work. He can he can deal with a little bit of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of someone who was in big four accounting, that's called January. <laughs> Shake yeah, the fuck yeah. Off. <laughs> Oh, All right. Well, those were our headlines for better or for worse. Uh, you know, I, I think our headlines will start to look a lot different, probably a lot less Donald Trumpy um, now that he is officially being removed from power. And I know that everybody's worried about the courts. I'm sure we'll talk about the courts in another episode. I will just say that I am not worried about that. I'm not worried about the courts. I'm not worried about faithless electors. I'm not worried about voter fraud. I'm not worried about any of this stuff working because people are sick and they are tired of him. Even the people, even a lot of the people who voted for him. So I know that probably doesn't satisfy everybody's anxiety, but that is kind of what I am channeling in myself. He has been overtaken and it's just a little while longer that we still have to deal with him. So doesn't mean that we should not stop like, you know, holding him accountable and, uh, you know, making sure he doesn't fuck up anything else anymore. But, um, you know, just kind of something else to keep in mind. But all right. So when we come back, we will unpack our full topic, which is Donald Trump's downfall. Super excited. Stay with us. All right. And we are back. So the first question I have for this group is, where were you when you saw the official results? What were you doing? I know that we were all texting. <laughs> um, I believe I got a text from you guys before I saw any official results. But Kirk, where were you? What were you doing? I was, so what, it was like 11-ish a.m. our time, I think, in Philly on the East Coast. Um, I was at the gym and there was nobody... <laughs> I was waiting for for one of you to yell at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I was at the gym and um, there was nobody else in the gym because I'm very COVID safe when it comes to going to the gym. I keep my mask on, make sure no one's there. Um, But yeah, so there was no one there. And I um, had got a FaceTime from one of my friends. I answered it and she was screaming like, it happened. And then I started screaming like, what the fuck? Like I'm screaming in the gym. And then I hear this woman at the front desk she couldn't see me and she's like is everything okay and she's like screaming bloody murder i was like we won and then i was like well 
I hopefully you won. We won. Like I won. I don't know what you believe in. And she's like, she was like, no, no fucking way. And then we were both like, so I was celebrating with this random ass woman. And then I just ran out the gym and ran to my apartment. And it was really great living in the city. I live in South Philly and just literally, it's not like it's center city. So it's not hugely populated, but in that moment, like cars were already beeping down every little road. Um, people who were, it was beautiful outs, people who were outside, like at, um, little cafes on my street and stuff. Everyone was literally screaming. It was amazing. Um, it was very cool. And then I came right into my house, put it on TV to, to, to make sure it was accurate. And then I did start crying a little bit and then, um, went up on my roof and was just like listening to all the noise. It was really, really, a really cool moment. And I think the fact that, um, it was so beautiful out and quite honestly until today, but on the East coast it's, or in Philly, it's been beautiful out since Donald Trump has been denied a second presidency. So, um, I think that that is, God's way of saying something, to be honest. And and climate change, that too. <laughs> <laughs> climate change weather is unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Erica, what about you? The official results, what were you doing? Who were you talking to? So I had literally just gotten back from Lowe's because <laughs> we don't shop at Home Depot because they donated to Trump. But um, I had just gotten back from Lowe's and I think I like, was buying spackle <laughs> and um, my sister texted me in our family group chat and then I texted you guys and then my friend Beckett texted me and he's like, we're in Center City, we're in front of the Panera by Reading Terminal Market and like I, like I will be completely honest and I'm not proud of it, I completely forgot about COVID. I literally pulled a bottle of champagne that was for some reason red, white, and blue out of my liquor cabinet. And I fucking like just got in the car. I looked like a garbage can and I jumped in the car and I drove down to center city and I like sprinted like 10 blocks. Um, Cause there's no parking obviously. And I find my friends and there's like on, there's basically a blockade. So on one side it's, Biden, you know, people who are happy that Biden won. And then in the middle was the media. And then on the other side was like little the Trump crowd. Um, and I literally walk up and I was just like so elated. I felt like I was like super wasted, even though I hadn't had a drop of alcohol. And I pop this bottle of champagne. Everyone starts cheering. I like chug half of it, choke on the other half of it. And I got interviewed and the guy was like, how do you feel? I literally said, I'm fucking lit. And it was like the most, like, this man is talking to me. I am taking a bottle of champagne to the head. I'm covered. My face is covered in champagne. And I'm like trying to put my mask on so I can talk to this guy. And it was a terrible interview. I dropped so many F-bombs. Like, he was like, why do you think it's so important that Philadelphia played a role in this? And I said, because I literally turned into some asshole in Eagles game. I was like, because this is the greatest fucking city on the fucking planet where the Broad Street fucking bullies. Like, I'm from San Diego. Like, I really needed to check myself. <laughs> 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 it was... It was great. Like the the Trumpies were playing one of Trump's speeches about all of his achievements, and it felt very 
Nazi-ish. And there's absolutely no masks being worn on the other side. I didn't see anyone with without a mask on the Biden-Harris um, side. And they, the Trump people started throwing stuff at us. And they were definitely trying to incite violence. And there is like one person on the Biden-Harris side who like wanted to do something and everyone held them back like, hey, man, let's not make it you know, this, like, this is a celebratory time. Um, so it was awesome. I am so grateful to live in a swing state because California is certainly not a swing state and your vote really doesn't mean much in California re-electoral college. Um, so it was just a really great moment. And I was champagne drunk, literally. I had to just walk around the city until I sobered up. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> No, it's funny, like I was talking to my therapist about that today, just like what we saw in the streets that was pure joy. Like it was it was it was the polar opposite of the anger. I think that people felt in June during the Black Lives Matter protest when it was like, fuck 2020, fuck COVID. This is bullshit. We need to stand up for something that's right. Let's all come together because we all just saw something horrible happen on our TVs versus like this was like oh my God, maybe we can breathe. It's not to say that this election at all solved, you know, racial injustice, but it just felt like such like a a celebration for so many people from so many different backgrounds of people who've just felt so like oppressed for years, like just for years. Andrew, where were you? Well, unfortunately, um, I have a much more boring life, apparently. Um, so on election night, I was hanging out with you, Paul, and we were up until like 4.30, 5 in the morning, watching all the results. Um, we kept saying, oh, we're going to go to bed, and then one more thing would happen. So I took off on Wednesday, so I lost a day of work. So I was I was working on Saturday, and I was up in my office, and that's when I saw the news come across, um, and I just started texting everybody. I think I, I texted the, the podcast group first. Um, I texted my girlfriend right away and I, I was just like texting everybody. I was like, holy shit, it happened. Everybody was texting me. It was like, my phone was like getting hot from like, it was sitting on and like all the texts coming and going. It was crazy. Even up here where I live, like I'm, I'm in a, almost an hour outside of Philly. There were people driving around honking their horns. There was like a group in town. There's, there was like, has been this small group of high school seniors that like once a week they go to this spot in town and they stand there with like black lives matter signs and it's a bunch of white kids. Um, and they, they've been out there all the time. So they were in town. I could hear them yelling from my house. So it was just very, I mean, it almost felt like more intense than, or at least as intense as when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but it, in a different way, like just so like, relief. Yeah, that is like totally the feeling that I had too of just relief. Like I you know, when 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 Crooked Media called it on Friday, um I was like, yeah, I'm in. When Decision Desk called it, I was like, I'm uh, I know that this happened, you know. I didn't feel like I could celebrate because like no one else was celebrating. Everyone was still glued to, you know, the the cable news that they were watching and and it makes sense. I just felt like I've, we've got this it's done and it's over and so i think i was like oh like my my shoulders just sort of like dropped and then 
when it actually happened <laughs> at like 11, you know, and, and again, my phone was the same thing, just completely blew up. And I feel like we knew a lot about Georgia at that time too, that it would likely be going to a runoff. Like, like there was just so much good news after like what felt like five days of like bad news or just intense worrying. I was like, all right, before I can do anything else today, I need to sit down I need to crank out a post about Georgia. I need to get it out there into the universe. And then after I did that, I shut my laptop. I stared at the headlines on like CNN or or whatever it was, MSNBC. And I just fucking cried. Like I actually like collapsed on the couch. Jack was like in the other room. I just like sat in tears and was like, I could also hear honking from like far away. I'm not in Philly, but like there were still people here celebrating a little bit. And I just felt like this like burden that we have carried with us for, for five years. Um, it, it, it is gone and it's going away. Um, I, I, again, like, like Trump is, Trump is just a part of the problem. There's still a lot of other people. There's a lot of other things to do. And we all know that. Um, you know, but, but this person was a huge perpetuator of some of those problems. He, he continuously, you know, for the first time scared of a lot of white people into feeling that they weren't safe, you know? Um, and there were a lot of white people who all of a sudden realized how a lot of people of color have been feeling for their entire life. And that vindication I felt by getting rid of somebody who I feel like was one of my oppressors, like, I can't imagine what that, you know, feels like if you're if you're a a person of color who's maybe a skeptic or if you're a person of color who really was impacted by the um Trump presidency. Um although so many of us were I I I just felt like oh my god, like I got this like bully out of my life and like I got this person who's been dominating my brain and dominating my news and dominating my podcast and I just thought like we're still going to talk about you, but you don't matter anymore. Like you don't, you don't matter anymore. Like, cause you're not in control anymore. Um, and I don't know that I feel like I have control over Joe Biden. <laughs> like I don't think any of us do. Um, you know, certainly not with some of his corporate donors, <laughs> but, um, I, it, it, it feels like there's a possibility to do something different. There's a possibility to kind of, move forward. And, and, and that's kind of the next question I had to you guys, like, you know, Jack and I just sort of like collapsed and hugged each other, but like, what did it feel like for you guys? Like what, like, what was that emotion? Like, like Kirk, you said you were, you know, running home from the gym, watching people pour out onto the streets, like, and like honking. What did it like feel like? Did you have like a physical reaction? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely had more physical reaction when I got home um, alone with, with the, where I, I just kind of broke down in front of the TV, but, um, it was, yeah, it, 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 it sounds so dramatic to say this. And it's almost sounds like, um, I understand again that the Joe Biden winning isn't solving the issues at hand and, and, and nothing's going to magically go away on when day one, when they start and he's not, you know, this savior, but it was this, it was, um, I did feel like walking out of the gym that a weight was literally lifted, lifted off. Right. It was that feeling of like, a combination of seeing everyone celebrating, seeing, you know, it was so nice out. And this, this news of that we've been like, not only for five years dealing with, but then even the past week just felt like 75 weeks. And it was like, finally an end to that too. Um, and I actually thought 
when they would officially call it, because we knew at that point, right? We kind of knew this is where it was going, that it would be like, okay, great. Like I move on, but I am happy that feeling of like, um, joy still happened. I was afraid that it wouldn't happen for everybody. I thought we'd just be like, okay, yeah, this is great. Like on to the next thing. Like we're done with this election. Um, but it still was this joyous celebration. Um, and I think, you know, removed myself a few days from it now. I think it's, um, still, I still feel that joy, but it's also now I can analyze it a little more and be like, I'm still happy, but you know, it, it's time that like when, when they start in office, like we have to keep them accountable. And, um, once Trump is in our far back rear view, um, it's still, you know, it's, 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 there's still stuff to be done. I hope people don't just like stop tuning in and like, we voted, my vote counted, we won, the world is saved. Like, that's not, you know, the, the goal or that is the goal, but that's not what, you know, happened. Um, so I think I'm being a little more realistic now, a few days removed, but definitely that day there was that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to, going to say too. Like that feeling kind of afterwards, like a few days later, feels a little bit different, you know? I don't know, like, I'm still feeling a ton of joy. Erica, what are you feeling? So I think for me, it was, I, like, just sitting there realizing that I, like, when I was driving, I purely listened to the entirety of the Hamilton soundtrack. And it doesn't even take me that long to get into the city, but traffic was crazy. But it was just this moment of knowing that, like, our... Like, we are a part of history. Um, and I think that it'll be something that, like, I can tell my grandchildren with about with pride and say, like, I was there in, you know, quote unquote, the city that made it happen, even though, you know, that's not necessarily the case, but let's pretend it is. <laughs> and um, it, for me, it was never, it was never the politician themselves and the power that they held as a politician. I think it was the power that they held as an idol. And I think to Trump or to so many people, Trump was this idol. And to see him put in the highest office of the land, they felt empowered to act a certain way and treat people a certain way. And just the idea of like, that's no longer acceptable. Like we now, and I mean, Obviously, in 2016, the majority did not vote for Donald Trump. And I'm still very disappointed in the amount of people who did. But um, they don't have that support from our president to, you know, be a neo-Nazi and just, you know, and but there are bad people on both sides. Um, you know, they're not excused for their actions. And I think they're now in an America where the president's going to be like, I don't like, this isn't okay. I do not condone this. And obviously, there will always be dissenters. We understand that Trump is still going to call for his dissenters. Um, but I think they lost a lot of power uh, when Trump was dragged out of office. And I think that it also showed people that like, if we mobilize, and if we do the work, we can get things done. And hey, by the way, black people saved your ass this time around. And Really, if you look at the cities that really push some of these states, Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, prim like very um, some primarily black cities, some like significant amount um, black populations. But I hope that it also shows America that like we are just like passive um, participants in this country. Um, we really mean something. We really hold so much weight. And the next, like, 
you can't keep doing this to us. Like you can't just watch us die and make it a headline and then call it a day. Um, we can't keep being hashtags. We can't keep being, you know, memorials on the side of a freeway or a pair of shoes hanging off of a telephone line. We're way more than that. And this election really showed it to me. And I will tell my grandchildren, even though I really don't want to have kids, but I would for, you know, this would make me want to have kids. But, um, you know, that next generation, <laughs> but I think for the next generation, especially Gen Z, I think this next election, there's a lot of Gen Z people or individuals who are capable of going like, to vote. And I think that's really going to um, turn the needle on things because they're fucking about that life. Like Andrew was saying that his literal high school seniors who are out with their BLM signs, like clockwork. I couldn't imagine doing anything like that. Nope. Um, the girls that I coached, someone said I was at a tournament and one of the girls on the other side said something like inappropriate about the fact that me and the other coach were black. And like, I was like, you know what? I can't fight someone's 16 year old child. But one of my girls was like, that's not cool. Like you don't say that. Um, and just to see that we have this generation that feels so energized and to them, like the racism and hate that we experience by and large, they're not okay with. Um, and I think that it's just a hopeful thing. I don't think everything's going to get fixed over the next four years, but uh, it's definitely not trending towards whatever the fuck it was under Trump's reign. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of those things that that I've kind of reflected on in the last few days. Um, like, I'm so proud of the organizers and the activists who got people together in the cities. Um, I'm so proud that um, a majority, um, you know, still a, a long way to go, a majority of the suburbs flipped too. Um, you know, the, especially the ones that are really close to Philly here, um, it was evident to see, I mean, um, the margins that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris drove up in the suburbs here is, is, is incredible, um, and is far beyond where we were four years ago. It feels like, um, far more bluer, um, even though the state might be going a little bit redder, um, and we'll, you know, have a lot more research to share about all this stuff as we kind of go through and, and fully unpack some of the election. Like there's still so much information we don't know, but like you said, Erica, we have a lot of black people motivated. We have a lot of Latino people motivated. We have a lot of women motivated and we have this young base of generation Z who hopefully they they are just as pumped as we are and and you know want to keep fighting like we do um because they have talent that we will never have you know they will have motivational skills that we will never have and i hope that we continue to welcome them into our party and listen to them because young people still don't vote as much as older people but you know if we listen to them if we give them a voice if we give them a seat at the table if they feel like they can move these things it would be really awesome and and really really exciting um Andrew, I'm curious about you, like where, where you're sort of thinking now a week out, you know, um, we, we had, yeah, really long nights on election night. And then afterwards too, I still don't feel like my sleep cycle is back to normal. Um, how are you feeling now that you're like looking back at it? 
I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I think so much just like absurdist comedy has happened over the last couple of days since that announcement, even, even since the election, because immediately Trump declared victory and continued to declare victory. And that whole week after the election was very stressful. Those, those days between Tuesday and Saturday. And I didn't even really realize it at the time. Like I was checking election results you know, a couple times per hour. And I didn't realize like how much attention I was giving to it. I was still trying to work and, you know, do my job and, you know, pay attention to my, my life. But that moment where you, you learned about it and after the initial elation and that 30, 45 minutes of texting everybody and posting about it on social media and stuff, like then you just feel relief for the rest of Saturday and the rest of the weekend. And then you kind of come back and you realize he's not off his bullshit and he's just going to keep going. But at this point it, it feels different where a couple of weeks ago you read a headline about Trump, something he said or something he did or something his administration did. And it just feels like such a gut punch. And each one kept feeling like more and more of a punch than the last one. Um, now it's just like, whatever, man, like, People are abandoning ship. Even Fox News is starting to turn on him a little bit. There's definitely those diehard supporters, but it just feels so different. Like the wind has gone out of his sails. He's gasping his last COVID breaths and we'll be rid of him soon. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Like I'm not paying attention to him anymore. And it's not it's not that I don't believe it's still important to pay attention to the president, but I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't, he's so insignificant now in our lives. Yeah. Um, it feels so inconsequential. Everything he says now, you're just kind of like, eh, what, you're out, whatever. You're out of here. And the way that, and not that saying other president elects don't start like showing sign of like what they, you know, leadership right away. But I don't, I, the way he, that Biden is really doing it in Harris um, is I think per, on purpose, obviously, because it's like, it almost looks like there is no president right now for the next 70 some days or 60 some days. So it's like, we're going to step it up. We're going to put our task force together because we are in the middle of a pandemic that's getting worse minute by minute here. Um, and I think that's really cool to see um, whether how strategic or not strategic it is for them to share with that they're doing stuff. I think it's cool just to see like a president doing stuff like that's something that I don't remember because it's been over four years since the president actually did something. Um, so I think that that has been a cool, it's almost like he kind of already is the president, which is um, obviously not true, but that's what it feels like. And that's why, that's why I don't get why Trump's doing what he's doing. Cause it, I mean, unless he doesn't care and he wants to go out this way, but it, it's like take reign of your last 70 days. And like, I don't know, not to do something crazy, but just act like a fucking president. And it's, I don't know why I'm expecting that, but. No, I think you're exactly right. And and I almost finished that sentence for you. Like I, I like it is. It's like just act like a president for one day. You know, like the 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 fact that on Monday, you know, um Pfizer announced uh that they were seeing really good success rates with one of their vaccines and clinical trials. Like, you know, uh, the first thing was, "Oh, how convenient that they didn't announce this, you know, until the like like dude, d- just I, like Donald Trump Jr. said some shit. Just shut the fuck up. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, and again, I, I don't think before I would have said shut the fuck up. I mean, I would have said that, but then I also would have said a thousand other things. But you know, it just to me, it was like the biggest, 
The biggest just like, I don't want to hear your whining anymore. I don't want to hear you complaining about how unfair everything is. I don't want you to, you know, just like all, all this whining and bitching is like, you wouldn't have won the election if Pfizer had made that announcement, you know, you wouldn't have, and this is all me, just conjecture. You wouldn't have won that announcement if, if, if Pfizer has made that, you know, announcement. You wouldn't have won the election, you know, if if you, uh, you know, had had some semblance of of normalcy during the last few days. This guy ended his campaign saying. COVID's not going to go away and we're just going to have to live with it. Everybody's learning to live with it. COVID, COVID, COVID is what he said. That feeling is just like you you could go out with some level of decency, you know, not respect because we won't respect you. But maybe you would go out with with trying to do something a little bit better than you've ever done. Maybe really try to make an impact. But he can't. His whole life has been just an absolute fraud. Um, I guess to that to that end, um, Andrew, how do you think uh, Donald Trump reacted? We saw the the public reaction on Twitter. What do you think? What do you think he did? What do you think he said? He was kind of hoarse. Like, like I think he was kind of screaming for a while. Like, what do you think was going on in that you know tiny insignificant brain or in the White House? I think you probably nailed it. And of course, we have no information to back it up. But my fantasy is him <laughs> just throwing an hours long tantrum, just yelling and screaming and throwing things. He was hoarse. And Paul, you and I, even election night, you know, we were fading fast. It was early in the morning and we were kind of considering, you know, do we crack another beer? Or do we go to bed? And then they said, Trump's going to speak. And we're like, we got to crack another beer for this. <laughs> so we did and we sat down and watching him talk, he sounded so defeated. He sounded just so worn out and destroyed. And if you were to see that attitude in any other person, you would have empathy and you'd be like, what is wrong? What, you know, what's going on? You know, do you, do you need something? And when you see it in him, you're like, I understand now that he understands that this is it. And obviously he was back on his bullshit after that, but then too, <laughs> he, cl- he claimed he won the election, but yeah. 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 But it, the way he delivered it, his, his, his words were not matching the delivery. Um, and then he went and hit on his golf course and we didn't see him until today when he did his normal presidential veterans day photo op. We have not seen him in public. He has been in hiding basically. And I think, I think he realizes what's going on, but what is he, what is he going to do? This is how he's always handled things is he just kind of doubles down and and keeps plowing forwards and making the situation worse and worse and worse for himself. Yeah, he can't really pivot. He can't really, you know, be like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best strategy. I'm going to go this way now. He can't, he just, he can't take the L. Yeah, what's the end of like, well, what, Honestly, like, what's the point of pivoting now? Like, just, just ride it out at this rate. Just be like... I agree. Like, ride yeah. the fuck out. Don't leave the White House. Let us get that moment of him literally getting removed. Like, I think it's just... It's what we deserve. That is what he deserves. And it's what he wants, to be quite honest. He doesn't want to... Why, why would he want to go like as a normal stand-up dude right now? Like, what does he win from that, you know? I think he is really scared, though, because um, even if the worst of the worst, which is, you know, all these things facing him the moment he's no longer president from a legal standpoint, but um, 
the worst is like his entire family, their, their whole lives are changed. Like they can't go back to doing what they were doing. Right. Like I don't think mm-hmm. they can. Um, so I think they're just riding this out until that eventually has to happen, but they can't like Ivanka can't go back to like going to the Met ball or like whatever the fuck she does. You know what I mean? Like it's just, she can't, there's nowhere they can go. So I think that's kind of becoming a harsh reality for him and for all of them. Yeah. They'll become contributors to some shitty conservative publication or network yeah. like Fox news or OAN. It can go two ways, right? In my opinion, either Trump launches Trump TV or Trump media network, or he, you know, gets more involved with OAN because they're really the only, I think, media outlet that truly will just give Trump whatever he wants. And I know people who work for OAN and they will openly admit that like they started because of Trump. Um, I think the opposite end to that is I think there will be another Trump who announces um, a bid towards presidency in 2024, which is so stupid, but what else could you think of? Like, I, I just think that like the Trumps want to be the Rockefellers in the sense that they're a dynasty. And, you know, I think that there's like, they want to hold on to this idea of this dynasty and dynasties do not exist anymore. Um, and I think the ultimate fear for Donald Trump is the name Donald Trump not meaning anything. And that's where he is. Like he has nothing. Like his assets, he doesn't even own Trump Towers. He doesn't own anything with his name on it. It just has his name on it. And eventually they're going to realize that's bad for business. And then he's left with nothing. And I think that's when he's going to spiral and either read, like, he's just going to latch further, deeper into his base and say, like, present Ivanka. Like, no one wants to see Eric or Trump Jr., period. So. The only thing there is, like, what does the Republican Party look like? Which is probably an episode we can honestly do is like, what does the Republican Party look like going forward? Because as of right now, there isn't like a clear, he's, he ever, the media keeps saying, you know, no matter what side you listen to, it's like, he's gone, but like, he still is the Republican Party right now. Like set, like people voted for him in ways that no one has ever voted before. Like, so it's, they're not just going to go away, these people. So it's like, he, he, I think will, to your point, Erica, I think we'll keep, I don't know how it is, but some way, still have these people at his beck and call to, you know, wait four years, which I think they would wait four years. Like it's just, it's crazy, but um, I don't know who else runs and how they successfully get a Republican office. Cause at the end of the day, Republicans only want to get Republican in the office. So if it's Trump again, or it's whoever it is from that world, um, I think they honestly would support it, which is scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Um, you know, I, I, I was a guest on a podcast where we talked about that and I would love to have Joe come on our podcast and talk about it. It was just, it was pure speculation, you know, absolutely nothing grounded in facts, just a lot of fun. Um, and what the way we were talking about it is like, or do the Republicans try to change the rules? Cause they thought Donald Trump was a failure. Do they go to rank choice primary voting? You know, do we see the Republicans do things that we, we as Democrats would love to have because they want to avoid another Trump. Like Donald Trump was the first incumbent president to lose an election in 30 years since the first Bush, right? You know, like 
he's the first president to lose the popular vote twice. <laughs> like this and, guy's not and get a, impeached. He also was impeached, guys. And get impeached. I mean, this this guy's not a popular guy. Does he have fandom? Absolutely. Yeah. But was did he have a good approval rating? No. It's like, like Nickelback. He needs Nickelback. Like everything right. you just described is literally Nickelback. <laughs> if you think about it, like they have they have fans, they still do make music, but it's like nobody likes them. But they're that's still like, a joke. That's kind of what he is. Like we'll line. say his name forever. He'll be a punchline. He still has this massive group of people, but it, 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 I don't think it'll, I, I hope that's what the Republicans do. Right. Uh, but who knows? I fully agree. And I, I, I also agree that, you know, I think Erica was, was alluding to this, that, this is what the Trump family is now. They can't just go back to real estate. They can't just go back to The Apprentice. They can't really go back to normal life. Really, at this point, their options are either they fade from public view and hopefully they have money left over after all the lawsuits and the debts and everything else. We know that's not going to happen. So what is going to happen is they're going to try to keep this thing of theirs alive. And... What I'm hoping for them is that it's just pitiful and nobody cares. And they either start their little media company and they have their little QAnon supporters and they have a small little fan base, which even that is too much for them. But it's self-contained and it's sort of like quarantined from the rest of us. Or they go on OAN and it never really goes anywhere. But they – you know, it's kind of like Alex Jones. Alex Jones has his fan base and – you know, he thinks he's like this super important person, but he's really not contributing in any meaningful way to the the discourse at large. And that's what I'm hoping and the Trump family ends up as because we know that's what they're going to do. They're going to continue this political thing. They're going to continue running for office, whether or not it's Trump himself or his children or whatever else. They can't just go back to what they were doing. It's just not going to be possible for them, not in a, a psychological sense or just in a in a sense of people won't let them. I think people are going to abandon them and then they're not going to be able to just get a deal, you know, with Nike and come out with a new shoe or something. You know, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> a shoe that nobody wants. Like, I feel like a Trump Nike shoe is all white. Velcro. Oh, just like <laughs> it would be New Balance that like would partner with shoes. them, yeah. or his kitten heels. His kitten heels. Oh my God, his kitten heels. A look. Can we? But I like completely forgot that Ivanka had an entire clothing and shoe line. Yeah, that Nordstrom stopped carrying. I think a year, less than a year after Trump was elected. And that she continued because, to exploit the entire time yeah. she worked in office and got tax benefits from China. Yeah. Like, like, Yeah, <laughs> she was over in China, you know, trying to get patents and securing uh, manufacturing facilities and everything. Like, oh my God. I just think that they, they soiled their name. I, part, a part of me thinks that his family resents them resents Trump because except now I think Ivanka does Eric and Donald Trump Jr. weren't doing shit yeah. I completely 
Tiffany does not give a fuck about any of them. T- Tiffany, or the trans people either. LGBTQIA. <laughs> no tea. No Tiffany, tea. Tiffany, I just hope she she finds you know sin- serious mental help. Like I like oh, I say God. that as a person who benefits very much from therapy, she needs to. She's got. Yeah, she's, she's complicit. We're not saying she's not. A hundred percent. I wonder. What are parents gonna be like? I forgot about him. He's old-ish. He's like 14, he's 15, like, maybe. He's either gonna fall in with the rest of them or he is going to fucking leave the second he possibly can. With Melania. Dude. <sighs> but no, I want I would did want to say one thing that I think kind of uh, piggybacked off of something all of you were kind of saying was, and I, I heard this today, and it's again, this is not this is not a fact. Nobody knows, but it's kind of a thought that um with with knowing that any of these recounts and the money that they're raising money right now. Right. So they're sent all this whole email base. They have of followers, which for whatever fucking reason I'm still on, I don't know which one of you out there put me on it. And, um, their our emails going up, like we went, we're raising money for the recounts for our lawsuits, all this stuff, you know? And, um, it's going apparently like half to that and then half to the campaign because the campaign lost a lot of money because they don't have any money because they campaign. Right. So they're in debt. They're fully they're in, in debt. debt. So they're trying to get out of debt, which is maybe why they're doing, again, there's a theory while they're doing this for the next 70 days to get out of debt. Cause I mean, they, they're just asking for money and people are giving it to them. I guess you can technically do that. So um, maybe they're trying to get themselves out of debt before they have to leave and have no way of really making money um, right away, I think. So that, I don't know. It's not really about the recounts. It's about just getting out of debt, the campaign out of debt. Yeah. I mean, they're opportunists. We'll get books, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll get that. We'll get drama. We'll get TV specials. We'll get documentaries. I want to know who is on Dancing with the Stars next season. One, I might not be a Trump, but it's like somebody in this in this world. Giuliani, Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway's daughter. Like somebody has got a hundred percent. Meanwhile, I just got a text from Jack that said Tiffany's going to be on Cameo in seventy days. <laughs> the mass singer. Somebody is. Oh my god, yeah. Jared Kushner on the fucking mess. Sarah Palin was. <laughs> what could have been our yeah. first veep? True. Email veep. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I, I think that's a good point. That's what I wanted to transition to. You know, it's it's so easy for us to talk about Trump and keep talking about Trump's. And that's what this 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 episode is, right? It's Trump's downfall. But you can't talk about the downfall um, with t- talking about what I think were the most incredible speeches from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, you know, in Wilmington, Delaware on Saturday night. I don't know how long they'd been writing those, how long they were hoping that they would be able to say them. But I was just so um, impressed and excited. And and like we mentioned, uh, you know, before, it's so great to, to have them say with such conviction, we're going to get this pandemic under control and we're going to announce our task force on Monday. That just felt like, yeah, it doesn't matter what happens over the next 70 days. This is the most important thing. But um, Erica, I do want to ask you, you know, um, like, what was it like to watch Kamala Harris? Um, you know, and I, I don't ask that just because you're black, but also because you're a woman. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that any of the three of us could stand in your shoes, although I'm sure some days we we feel like we would love to wear Kamala sneakers, at least. Um, I, I'm just curious, you know, kind of what that felt like. Were you silent? Were you worried? Were you excited? Like, what did you feel? So it was interesting. I actually... Um, I didn't watch the speech on my own TV. I was in a house party 
um, which is an app. It's like a pretty much like Zoom. And I was one of the people that I was talking to was someone who had literally just jumped into the house party and he was friends with the people that I was talking to. And he was a black man who was a little bit older than me, maybe in his 40s. And um, I'm literally watching it. Like he's like has his phone like pointed to the screen and I'm watching through the screen. And it was it was just one of those moments where I personally just ignored the fact that she was a woman and a woman of color because she showed so much aptitude as a politician. And it was like, I almost like completely blacked out on who was talking. And I was so focused on the words and the intent behind the words that to me, it was like, wow, like this is so energizing. And I just feel like, like, what do I have to do in Georgia? Like what has to be my next step? And then after the speech, you know, after she spoke and after Biden spoke, um, I kind of stepped back and it was, it was this moment of that woman is so many women in my life. Um, she's an AKA and a lot of my family and close friends are AKAs. Um, and I've, she's, she's like a lot, she's like almost all of them. She's a lot of these, um, black women who have spent so much time in their life being told like, you're too this, you're too that, or you're not enough this, you're not enough that. And she did not care. She went out, she spoke like any of her predecessors would, ignoring some of her much, much lesser predecessors, but um, she spoke with power and conviction. And there was just so much weight within her words. And the fact that I didn't think, ooh, like maybe she's being too much or maybe she should tone it down or maybe she's being too emotional. It just felt right. It was that perfect balance of um, professionalism, confidence, raw emotion, um, kind of all the things that when a woman does, it's too much, but when a man does, it's perfect. Um, and I just felt like maybe there is that space in our day to day where like we can be Kamala's um, and we can speak with passion and we can um, show our emotion and we can show our heart. And it doesn't mean that we're weak. It means that we are going to try harder than every single person in this room. Um, and I like get emotional thinking about it just because like I know so many women, especially black women who have been told to take a step back or to calm down or you're being too emotional or you're being too sassy, which is literally only the word that apparently we use to describe black women um, and gay best friends too. Say but um in Andrew sometimes. But, um, <laughs> it's definitely it it was just one of those shows that you know like this is like we're done. We're done hiding. We're done um trying to be this certain person. We're gonna be just as um ept as the next person and we're gonna take it on. And I just think, you know, I hope that people saw it the same way. And I'm sure there are people like there's someone I know a lot of people who make fun of um, her wig that 
she doesn't wear or the fact that she either she doesn't wear heels enough or she wears too many or she does she wears heels too much and it's like homegirls just try to move around um and we also have our AOCs out there AOC plus three so I think that truly I hope that this is the age where women feel empowered to just be powerful women thank you for for sharing that I loved when she, you know, she looked out to the crowd and, and kind of said, like, I, 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 I may be the first, but I won't be the last. You know, I think that that moment to me, I, I know that she was speaking about it as a, as a woman, um, but I, I, I felt that as a queer person. I felt that as, you know, somebody who has, who has people who are friends of color, you know, people who have been looked down upon, people with disabilities, like her words, I think, shot out, you know, like, like fucking fireworks. Like it was just like, any of us can do this, you know, like all of us have the ability to change, like, the lives around us. All of us have the ability to like keep working really hard. Like, and, and, especially if society has told you, no, you look them in the face and you tell them like, no, I'm saying goodbye to you, but I'm going to go and get my opportunity elsewhere. I, I, especially when she talked about her mom, you know, her mom's no longer with her, um, you know, but like her mom never thought she'd see a day like that or something. I forget what the exact words were. And, um, or maybe her mom, she said her mom always thought she would see a day like that, but just the, the heart and the real emotion that went into it. Um, I don't know, uh, uh, Andrew, what about you? Like if you watch the speeches and I, I will say the same thing about Biden's speech as well, that Biden was not who I wanted to be the candidate. And even after that, who I wanted to be the VP would have been one of my first choices for candidate. Obviously I, I, w- I would have wanted Bernie or Warren, but as soon as his pick for Kamala Harris came out, it was very obvious that that was the correct choice for a lot of reasons. And I think that it's a huge, huge milestone. Um, and it's super important. And, you know, her performance in the debates against Pence and then her speech, it just shows this, this frankly, and, you know, every QAnon crazy supporter who thinks that Biden is going to drop dead on January 21st and Kamala is going to take over as president is going to maybe hear this and, and think, ah, it's all confirmed, but she was frankly presidential. And I think job of the vice president, which is, I people need to fucking understand that. And, and we, we haven't had that from Pence. Pence has never presented himself that way. A lot of people Um, haven't, right? I feel yeah, no, exactly right. And I think it's it's great that not that Biden is allowing her because obviously she stands on her own and she doesn't need a man to allow her to act that way, but that the two of them are they're giving each other space to stand on their own, but they're obviously such a unit together as well. And that makes me very hopeful for the next four years that the two of them will work together. And it is such a milestone. It's, it's awesome to see. Yeah, I, I agree. I love watching them work together. I also love that whether it was his decision, whether it was somebody else's decision, 
I love that she spoke. That doesn't happen, you know? That, that vice presidents don't necessarily get that slot. Um, and I think it, it does show him, or again, whether it's his decision or the campaigns, that they understand the importance of that moment. They understand the importance of making sure that the other people, the people who helped Biden get elected, the black women and the black men who came out in droves, all the people of color who came out in droves um, and all of the women who came out in droves to support um, their campaign, that, that they need a spot at the table. They need to be seen, heard and at the forefront of speeches. And I felt like that was indicative of that. Um, and it just that made me excited. Um, but Kirk, what what about you? Yeah, I, I think um, kind of to echo a, a bit of what everyone said, but um, the speeches themselves made me very um, even more optimistic than I was when hearing the um, you know the news that that it was official that they had won. Um, because I think in most of us on here, the, this wasn't our first choice or our second choice or our third choice, maybe for who we wanted to win this election or or may it be. Um, but I but it it made me happy that they were, I think, because they show that they, that they're presidential. They show that they could, um, you know, command the country at a time when that needs to happen. Um, and quite frankly, we've been living four years of a president that, um, has this following for just himself. And I think I've kind of learned in this election that it's not really sure. I want the best candidate that agrees with everything in my head that I, I want to happen to this country, but I don't need to like be obsessed with them. And I think that's something I learned with like Hillary kind of, I think a lot of us, I mean, I was like, um, looking back, like I still love Hillary. I think she would have been a great president, but like, I was like really in love with the idea of Hillary at first. Um, and and I think I'm happy that I don't have that in a way with, with these two, because I don't want to be obsessed with them. I want to be critical of them. I want to push them to do things. I want to be like, yeah, like, um, Biden did some things that I don't really agree with in the past, but he's admitted it and he's trying to grow from it. And same thing with Kamala. Like she's done some things that I see, you know, a lot of friends of mine, a lot of black women, black female friends of mine, um, posting about how they're not that happy with it because, you know, of, of her prosecutor past and all that kind of stuff, um, which I get, and I think makes total sense. And we should be that kind of, um, critical of these people because we need them to progress and there's never going to be the candidate that's perfect. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's our job as the people to push them. And I think they've both kind of said they want that from the country. Um, so that kind of, it was like a weird, it was like optimistic that they're not the perfect fit, but they are the perfect fit. You know what I mean? I love the way that you said that. Yeah. Because you're like, you don't love them. You don't just expect they're going to be perfect. Right. You're going to expect more from them. Yeah. Which I think a lot of Trump people, they're, they're just, I'm assuming blinded by this idea of, I don't know why they're obsessed with them in the first place, but it's this idea that he is like, I got people throughout this election cycle who are like, you don't even like Biden. I'm like, okay, why do I have to like be in love with this guy that's running for president? Yeah. Like I, I don't want to be like, then I, then I lose like, and I think that's, that's something I definitely learned. Cause I don't think I was that way before. Um, yeah, these people work for us. Like they looking back, us. like I know we were so young during the Obama years, but like, I remember being so unable to be like, no, he's perfect. Like he's the first black male president. Like he's perfect. He can do nothing wrong. And like, obviously that was not the case. There's a lot of things I disagree with looking back now as an adult, understanding what actually happened. Um, Sure, he was a great president, but there's things that, you know, you need to hold the president accountable for, which I think we need to start doing on the left, too. Um, and I think these are a, a, they're a good pair to do that, too. Um, but because they, they honestly seem like they do want to progress, I think, at least. Yeah, I agree. And I think it'll be really fun to call them out on their bullshit when they don't. Yeah. 
Because they don't have egos. <laughs> exactly. I think that's really, that would have been the downfall of this country is ego. Um, like we've seen them both kind of flip the switch on beliefs of the past. And I love that. I love to see it. I don't, I can't judge people for their past because my past isn't great. Like I am the first to say that there is a period where I thought gay marriage was wrong. And I don't really, I was told that I should have thought that way. So I did. Um, so I tell people like, you can't expect a Catholic from Scranton, Pennsylvania to immediately out the gate, be pro gay marriage and understand black people and what it means to be black in America. Like it's okay for them to be apathetic to that because who is it? Some of the people that criticize him for that are apathetic to those causes. Um, so to see growth in my politicians, I think is yeah. wonderful. I also like that they don't agree with each other on everything. Um, they definitely have some dissenting opinions on each other's uh, potential policy. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that works. Yeah, I'm excited to see the cabinet they choose too. I'm excited to to see the disagreement. Like, I, I forget what podcast I was listening to, but they're like, I'm excited to see Democrats debate what's the best policy again. Um, I, you know, I, I I hate that we had to just focus on getting a dictator out of the way. You know, stopping us from going towards fascism. Like, it's going to be really exciting to have them kind of work and and you know disagree and and see the cabinet positions because you know biden's going to put a couple republicans on his cabinet you know he is you know uh you know mitch mcconnell's gonna have to approve them you know that those things are going to happen um but like that's that's what biden is he believes in unity that was his message from day one and he's i believe that that's what he's going to try to pursue uh we'll see if that works (laughs) but um it's I think it's interesting. I think I saw something that you bring up the word unity something today that was I know a lot of people are me too are getting not offended by Biden talking about unity, but people just being like, you know, like we get someone voted for Trump, just you know, forgive them. I think it's you can want unity without um the, the you know, not acknowledging the fact that certain groups are not equal. You know what I mean? I think we've lived in this country where it's unity, but it's not it's not it's unity, but it's not equality, right? And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that um, hopefully they mean when they say they want unity. Um, cause I feel like I've seen a lot of not only politicians, but public figures and celebrities and influencers being like, now that it's over, we all need to cool the temperature down, which is true, but you need to go text your family members that voted for Trump and, and you say you love them. And it's just like, I think it's easier to say that than do that. And I think it's also a little naive sometimes. Um, I think there's a, there's a b- better way of unity without, you know, prevailing your beliefs for someone else. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I feel like we have uh, successfully unpacked Donald Trump's downfall. Um, And I would love to transition into our final segment, which is action items. So in this section, we'll just quickly go around and say what we are hoping that everybody does, whether it's accountability, whether it's involvement in Georgia, you know, things that we'll be posting and sharing. Um, Kirk, why don't we start with with you? What's your action step for the week? Feels feels weird to have an action step when we just took so many big (laughs) ones. But (laughs) we can breathe. Yeah, I think I think I think everyone's probably going to say this in different ways. I think one of the things I'm trying to get more involved in and more interested and not more interested, more understanding of 
um, is the runoffs, how they work, how we can get involved. Um, I know Paul's really, really getting involved and how he can, you know, help us get involved, I think is one thing for me personally. And I also encourage other people to focus on that for the time being, because it is super important. Um, it could really change a lot of what happens over the next four years if we're able to accomplish what we can accomplish there. Um, and I'd say if anyone listening to this is from Georgia, that they should make sure they're registered, make sure they vote, make sure their friend's registered, make sure anyone who is just turning 18, I forget what the day is. I don't know if anyone knows it, but there's a day if you... January 5th. Yeah, get them registered. And um, I think, you know, Republicans come out, usually they're they're more, um, they're, they're ready to vote always. And especially in stuff with, with this, when there's not a um, president on the ticket, but I think... Um, all of the organizing the Democrats just did, I think we might be able to do that still in Georgia. So hopefully that happens. Totally agree. Yeah. Andrew, what about you? It is weird to, to think about like, oh, what, what do we have to do now? And we can't just sit back and like, oh, we got the, the, the people we wanted um, elected because as we just all said, no, we really didn't. Um, you know, we had other first choices. So now, even if we did get the first choices, we, we still have to hold those people accountable because they're politicians and nobody gets into positions of power without cracking some eggs. Nobody does. And, you know, I, I think we, we Kirk was talking about Obama earlier, and I think one downfall of the left is there was too much hero worship of him. And he was a, he was a great president, and he's a great man. Um, but there's plenty to criticize with him and his foreign policy and all of that. Um, and I think there's plenty to criticize in Biden's past, obviously. And there's some stuff in Kamala's past to criticize as well. So we need to, we need to look to the future and think about what we want them to do and then how we can apply pressure to them to get that outcome. In the near term, though, definitely Georgia is the the most important thing. So, you know, we should all move down to Georgia and, and register to vote and then vote five times each. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paul, I'm sure you'll you'll speak about this because you you are the politics guru on the podcast. So you you know all the ins and outs of you know, should we be phone banking, text banking? How can we reach people in Georgia to make sure that they go vote? Because there is still a real possibility that that those Senate seats could uh, turn left. Yeah, agreed. I will definitely be talking about it too. You know, I'm sure it might be our next episode. So, <laughs> um, Erica, what about you? So, as we enter the season of Thanksgiving, I think it's a good time to recoup and regroup. Um, I think that the last eight, nine months. Honestly, the past four years have taken a lot out of people. Um, I think it's a good time to just uh, enjoy the moment however you can safely. And then I also think that this is a great opportunity to find something that you're interested in, find something that you care about, um, and really make a game plan on how you're going to advocate for that, uh, especially because I think we now are in a space where we can get something done. Yeah, my action item is similar. Um, I am going to say, though, to, um, you know, don't be afraid to take a break. Um, this is more advice for myself. Um, there, there will always be more politics to talk about. There will always be more phone banks to join. There will always be more text banks and, and causes to donate to. And these races in Georgia are critically important to our future. Um, and if you do take a break, 
you need to give yourself a time for that break and then set a day that you're going to come back and start working and helping in Georgia. Um, there's going to be a lot of volunteers. There's going to be a lot of money. There's going to be a lot of messaging. There's going to be a lot of things that we can do, whether we live in the state of Georgia or not. Um, you know, if you're healthy enough, you can drive down there and canvas for a weekend, for a day. You know, there's, there's a lot that we can do together. Um, but I would say, don't forget to take care of your mental health. Um, Cause it, as, as this sort of, week from election day podcast is is coming to a close i'm i'm exhausted um and i i pushed myself beyond what i ever thought possible um and now i know that there's so much more to do and now it's about figuring out how to do that what to do that and and coordinating these three goons on the podcast with me with uh, all the people on instagram as well so um you know i would just say if you have one small action item um you know just look up what is a runoff, you know, what is a runoff election? What does that mean? You know, um, look up into the history of it as well. Um, the history of it is pretty revealing, um, especially for a place in Georgia in the South. Um, uh, the history is no surprise, a racist one. Um, and it is a way to combat candidates that may have been able to, uh, amass a particular group of voters that maybe were not attractive to the certain race of people who were in power. So, um, you know, it's another aspect of this system uh, that I'm very much still learning about. I'm not the expert on. Just look up what's a runoff. Where did it come from? Because I think that we'll be talking a lot about runoffs over the next few episodes. Um, But that's it, guys. (laughs) Donald Trump is no longer our president. This election is over. And now we are working on the transition to Joe Biden. (laughs) That's that's it. That's kind of wild. Never thought it would happen. I know. And this has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. So if you like this episode, please obviously like, subscribe, share, send it to a friend. Um, And please, uh, you know, stay in touch. Follow Erica, Kirk, and myself uh, on Instagram. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining, as always. (laughs) 